Listeners be advised. The Holiloquy podcast discuss matters related to the human experience and many that are sexual in nature. Due to this, some conversations may surround triggering topics such as sexual violence, self-harm, abuse, and much more. Please be advised, a list of crisis and psychological resources will be available in the show notes of this episode. With that said, let's get started with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please as we go through the following safety instructions. In the event that there is a loss of cabin pressure, oxygen mask will drop from the overhead. Place the mask over your nose and mouth. Breathe normally as oxygen is flowing even if the mask is not Be sure to adjust your own mask before helping others. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Holiloquy Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. This is your favorite host, Vernon T. Scott, also known as Slater Jackson. And for you freaking motherfuckers out there, Sebastian Adams. On today's episode, we are talking about something that just touches the heart and pisses me the fuck off. It doesn't really touch the heart. It is Black fetishization. And with me today, it is sex therapist herself, Sharita. How are you doing today? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's a lovely day in the neighborhood. Shout out to Mr. Rogers. Uh, his ghost is with us today. Uh, <laughs> that sounds so fucking creepy. <laughs> Talking about Mr. Rogers and sex, that sounds fun. <laughs> Ain't it? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I forget how the fucking song goes. <laughs> oh look sex with the trolley okay never mind <laughs> it's done it's done oh my god it just no no you know honestly some of those puppets could get it <laughs> i need to see those puppets again because i can't think of, <laughs> of any puppets look i just remember the king and it's just like who who cannot the king to the queen what's their queen you know what now now we're talking about it of the muppets which one could get it? The Muppets? Uh, let me see. Let me look at some Muppets real quick. That's that's um that's um Kermit now. Yeah, I know. I can't think of honestly, Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Let <laughs> <laughs> me both say Miss Piggy. Like no shade to the others, but Miss Piggy forever came out ready to fucking play and ready to slay bitch came and knew what the fuck needed to be done and did it every fucking time it's always miss piggy kermit i'm sorry you'll be okay but miss piggy is fine kermit jesse i like i used to have a thing for skinny guys and i you know kermit you know skinny i don't know maybe we can make it work no, there's this one. Uh, I remember that one meme of Mr. Uh, uh, Kermit. Kermit just um, bent over, holding the little hole open. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is what we're doing. Oh my God. But uh, I wonder, I, I feel as though there's a kink out there of people having sex with like puppets. Isn't that like semi furries? Like, I feel like that's in the same. I don't know. Because furry is technically not a kink. So uh, I don't know. I need somebody to let us know. Uh, if you are a furry and you, if it's loosely related, let me know. Um, I would like to know that. Uh, and, or if you participate in this kink of, you know, Muppet play, let me know too. How's that going? And do you like build your own puppet? Or I'm intrigued now. So the, no. I wonder if the Muppets, if there is a thing, I'm sure there is. Like, do the Muppets, are they animal-based Muppets? That's a, that's a good are question. Are they human-based Muppets? Are they life-size? Now I need to reach out to Jeff Dunham to see if he'd be uh, fooling around with his puppets. <laughs> or if his wife does. I, I, could see, I could see him doing that. Look, just like, hey, Peanut, how you doing? Right. I mean, they're already sitting on his lap, right? So mm, Call me daddy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think I could actually date uh, um, 
so a ventriloquist as long as they don't throw their voice in very odd places then we're good but i think i could i could date a, a ventriloquist I don't know. I probably could. I don't know. That's creepy. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. The puppets? Yeah. Puppets are weird. Like, I never got into puppets. See, my thing is, as long as the puppet or doll is not made with human hair, I'm good. Because the reason why is because I have a fear. Not not necessarily that the puppet will come to life, but if you utilize a human hair of a, someone who's passed away into their doll or uh, a puppet, I will feel as though the the person is there all the time because they're, they're, that's their connection to this plane. And every now and again, they tap into that puppet, and I, I just I just cannot do that. Yeah, like uh, was it life size or something with Tyra Banks where they yes. she like combed her mom's hair and, and so then she turned into the Barbie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not doing that. <clears throat> we <Maybe>. not. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want. I don't know. I wouldn't want. I don't know. Puppets are weird. That's like my own thing. I just I've always thought they were weird. I never got into the Muppets. I remember as a child, we went to Disney World and they had like the, or Universal Studios and they had like mm-hmm. the big Muppet thing. I was scared. I ran out of my mom's arm to the back and jumped in some random lady's arm because I was terrified. Oh. Um, so I just never <laughs> so let's do some exposure therapy puppet. <laughs> <laughs> Scare me now, but they're just they're weird. Like, why are you there? I don't know. It's Look, weird. if if you out here and you identify as a Muppet and or puppet, just know, <laughs> Sharita said you're weird. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I feel like I don't know how I will react if somebody walked up to me and was like, hey, my name is John and I identify as a puppet. Okay, John. So who's talking? I think that would be my first question. Who's controlling you? <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> can I control you? That would be kind of cool, though. If I can control somebody. Ooh. Oh, that. Look, we, that we are expanding. <laughs> <be, laughs> we are expanding on this puppet kink. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a thing. Would you participate if you could be a puppet for somebody? Or would oh. you participate if you're a puppet master? I'm puppet master all day. So will you control their voice? Ooh. Yeah. You know, I took some improv classes. I think that'd be fun. Mm. Then, okay. So how would it work? Would you like, it would be like an orgy where I'm controlling the puppet and someone else is controlling another puppet. Girl, and we're having you, them. Why did you have to say orgy? Because now this is even better. <laughs> oh, oh my God. A puppet play party. Oh, okay. that sounds, you know what? We might have created a new kink, and I'm done. <laughs> you know, that's going to be the episode title, Puppet Play Party. And we're not even talking about, well, we've been talking about puppets way too long. <laughs> Honestly. I'm sorry, listeners. Uh, it, it happens. This was just a natural thing that just came out of nowhere. But are y'all interested in a puppet play party? Because now it's a thing. It's and like, call thing. us. It's not true. Right? Like, <laughs> we can plan this out. Because <laughs> I now, now I'm thinking about it, I'm just like, <clears throat> if you were to come in, well, you can't come in full costume, but it would be great if you could. Let's go with that. If you were to come in full costumes, having your strings already attached, and then, you know, having the little, um, the little four-prong thing that controls the legs, mm-hmm. uh, even though that probably won't really control the person in general, but that will be great if you could use that to maneuver the person to whoever you want them to engage with. Uh, that would be cool. Like, if you theoretically, if you could create that, where like what I'm doing controls what this person is doing, and I can engage in like sex with another person without actually me being in there. Right? Just make- that sounds like the ultimate voyeur moment, too, with puppet masters, master, master, whatever the word is. Because it's like voyeurism, it's nice, you know, mm-hmm. to an extent, but like to control it's like you're controlling your own porn like it's pretty cool that you could like control like where they come like i don't know that would be oh that would be oh my god (laughs) so amazing oh my god you know what in this scenario i might end up being a puppet i don't know Because I have a theme for pleasure overload and um, delayed gratification, uh, either for myself or others. 
So I, I might can do that. That mm. so puppet play uh, is a thing now. If it was already a thing, cool. I'm glad. If it's not a thing, look, Sharita, we made a thing happen. We created a thing, right? <laughs> we gotta research it and everything created. Like this is a new kink, you guys. Ain't it? Oh yes, Lord, love it. All right. So now that we went on that huge ass tangent, <laughs> weird. Let's talk about black fetishization. So, Sharita, what ha- what was a personal experience that you've had related to black fetishization? Yeah, so being like, I'm not light skinned, but I guess a lighter skinned female. Uh, I've kind of gotten like both sides of this fence, which I don't like either way, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, <clears throat> like I've gotten like white people match me on Tinder as like their first black experience. Or, like, this one guy sent me this text and was like, oh, black and a berry, the sweeter the juice, huh? And I'm just like, yo, that's, I feel, it feels racist. I don't know if you meant to say racist, but it feels racist. I don't like it. And I don't ever want to be anyone's, like, experimental black person because, Mm -hmm. like, what if I'm not good? Or what if we just don't mesh like that? Now you're going to X out all black people because of the one sexual experience I had with you? And then on the other end of that, for Black people within the group, I've been fetishized because of my skin color, just like lighter skin. Um, My hair is a little bit longer than some other people. So having long hair, having quote unquote good hair, Mm. um, being fetishized on that nature. And it, it never feels good. Like on top of being like, I'm I'm plus size so on top of that just like being put um kind of chubby chasing stuff like it just never feels good because it's like do you like me for me or do you like me for this idea of whatever you think being black is and I think that's a uh, um a huge important point is that you don't ever really know for sure if they really do like you just for who you are because it's like <clears throat> one I'm, I'm glad that you find me beautiful be it for my weight be- um, because of my skin because I find myself extremely beautiful I'm glad that you can see what I see love that for you but at the end of the day if it's uh, whenever we are having sex and it just constantly be because of my blackness because of my weight because of whatever it you feel as though you think it's making me feel sexy I'm like okay you're not seeing me because <laughs> I'm more than just my black skin I'm more than whatever image you thought that this was going to be like are you trying to dive deeper than just what you see on the outside because if not why are you here right and then it's like it feels like you want me to like stay in this box of what you think a light-skinned black girl is or what you think a plus-sized black girl is or a black girl if you are a white guy what you think a black girl is and there's like this pressure of like I have to be at this standard this weird standard that you're putting me at I can't get my skin any darker because you like me light skin, but I get darker over the summer and I like to be outside. The Holiloquy podcast focuses on the variability of sexual expression. When it comes to sexual expression, we often depend on pornography to illustrate how one must perform sexually. For those who have not learned this by now, the stuff you see in porn is not real. Pornography provides a singular perspective of sexual expression that is not often the reality we see during our own sexual encounters. The Holiloquy Podcast is a conversation that takes you outside of the compressed box of what many know about sex. Some of the topics we discuss includes kinks, condom usage, status disclosure, and past sexual experiences. The Holiloquy Podcast steps out on sexual norms and recognizes that the norm is not the only normal. Subscribe today and join the conversation. You like me light skin, but I get darker over the summer and I like to be outside, but you Mm. like me this skin color. Um, I can't, I can't have like nuancedness with how I talk, right? Because white guys will like me because I talk proper, and which I do. That's just kind of a regional thing. There's also times where I'm talking to my friends and I'm not talking proper, right? But then that turns them off because 
now I don't fit into this category of what you think a black girl is mm. a, a good black girl which is even worse like this whole idea of like oh but you're one of the good black people because you can talk proper and you have education and you know how to articulate yourself which is a horrible like stereotype that I've gotten mm. And I'm glad that you brought up the concept of, you know, the good Black, Um, because I remember this was in the workplace, actually, where uh, I'm just having a conversation with, you know, one of the officers there because he needed to, you know, speak with the student about something that was going on. And he referred to me as one of the good ones. And I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) One of the good ones, because like good one of what like the good black am i a good one of the good men in the building um good what you're just saying the good ones like what does that supposed to mean and i and i think back to like when it uh because you did mention earlier how um the fetishization of black people can be racist and i agree with that because it's like when you get the bbc comments the and you have to live up to that and i'm uh, another thing it's not a cock y'all we don't use that word here that's disgusting we don't know ill ill but it's like having that mentality and if um so now let's say the good black man we, he has the bbc he's uh open to conservative ideology or even um the respectability kind of things um then you have oh he has a good job whatever that's supposed to be um what else what else fits that description oh he's um malleable i think that's the word um Mm -hmm. not willing to be as aggressive as other people not outspoken in any way just you know the come as you want um there's the idea of um holding up the the white woman as on a pedestal the white man as well on a pedestal and also degrading the blackness that you are like all of those things to me makes it seem as though it fits that good black man category or the good black person category and i'm sorry i'm none of those right and i think this plays into a little bit like one of the episodes we talked about in the past about dating preferences and how this idea of like um Black men, well, uh, like one of the higher dating like possibilities is white women and then mm-hmm. white men. And then under that is black men because it's the BBC. And on the lower end of that is Asian men and black females, mm-hmm. right? Like they're the least wanted. But based off that, a lot of that is just based off the stereotype of what it is to be a Black female, right? And even you'll talk to some, like, if you, there's this one, I think it was, like, Fashion and Fit or some sort of, like, podcast, and they're talking about Black women in general, and it's really negative, or, like, Kevin Samuel stuff, mm. where it's really negative, like, well, Black women always have an attitude, and y'all have to wear bonnets, and y'all think this, that, and the third, and y'all are ghetto, ratchet, whatever that means for you and within our own community there's a lot of like flack you get from that but then because we're not getting love from our own community even the white people will see us as like well black women are going to act like this and I want someone who's submissive and black women don't know how to be submissive and black women don't know how to do this that and the third and so when they see a girl like me who doesn't fit into that stereotype they're like oh you're you're special you're one of the special black women you know because you don't act like you're not you're not ghetto you're not ratchet and as and it's so it makes me so irritated because it's like Caucasian people have a whole spectrum of how they can act. You see a million movies, some of them are a little bit homoerotic, some of them are this way or this way and that way. And like they have the choice, the gamut to act or uh, speak however they want. And it's not deemed as like this is a caricature of only what how all Caucasian people act. Yet Black people don't have that same access um or given that same respect on hey there are going to be moments where I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive and more independent because that's just who I am Mm. and I have to be right I am a black person who's dealing with being black in America so there are I there's going to be times where I have an attitude I'm mad and I should be and it's justifiable Mm. 
And there's going to be other times because of how I was raised that I may speak a little bit more articulate, right? But just because someone doesn't speak as articulate as I doesn't mean that they're less educated. Amen to that. Ooh, girl. Amen to that. Because I think um, about every time I go into a space with somebody and, you know, I talk the way I talk because this is the way I talk. And I've gotten... I my code switch broke a while ago but like I just don't articulate as much as I used to sometimes I um my words might slur into another word whatever the case is but I just come up as my authentic self whenever I'm you know in any space and then some because of that some people think oh this guy is not intelligent or anything like that until I actually speak in, on some things that they thought I should know about or when I bring up to the fact that I have like multiple degrees fam like me coming into your space is a blessing so act as such (laughs) or even um when um black people have the audacity to feel any emotion uh most definitely when it's anger and um people automatically get very uh offended by that as though we're not able to be angry and this is something I had to uh, talk to my therapist about is that I've been so focused on trying to not uh, excite a lot of people because of my righteous rage or my anger in any situation that I tend to not speak up on the things um, because I automatically knew as soon as I speak up on an issue that is um, bothering me or something that I've seen in the office now there's a whole issue. Like, how dare he say anything because of the way that we've been treating him? Like, I think about <laughs> when I worked at Geico, my last day, because uh, I, I just pulled up with the bullshit of uh, some of my coworkers that entire time. And I decided, let me send a gift to those people who were kind to me. And I sent, like, some cookies. And I said, these cookies are specifically for these uh, certain people. And then I get a text message from one of those old um, uh older people I was working with and she was like you have no idea how pissed those other two people were that you did not include them in that and then she even added but don't be upset because one of the people who did get cookies uh, vouched for you and was like y'all didn't get anything because how y'all treated him and that's on y'all it's like we don't a lot of black people don't have that opportunity to really actively uh, express our aggressions towards other people without it being a bad thing. Without it, you might be going, uh, getting fired because of your actions, because you finally chose to speak out. Mind you, these same people that you're working with have been raging out, been cursing out people, just speaking to the top of their lungs because they have the um, the comfort and they have the uh, ability to have that audacity to do it. But I cannot. Like me expressing the minimum discomfort, oh, we need to sit down and have a conversation. Right. And I've been told on multiple occasions, well, not multiple, but I've been told on an occasion that I've been passive aggressive because I was being assertive and I was smiling and I was like, so the issue was that I was smiling while I was doing it, but you actively sat in meetings where people were rolling their eyes. If anything, I was being aggressive and that's cool, but call me what it, call it what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you didn't call out any of these people who are rolling their eyes. That's passive aggression. No, and, and maybe I didn't understand because when I learned about passive aggression, that looked like passive aggression, rolling your eyes, uh, saying little sick stuff under your throat, you know, when I'm talking. Sounds about white to me. Right. So, so it's like these little like things where it's like, I can't, I, you know, you can, you can be my boss as a Caucasian person and you can cuss out people. You can make people feel very uncomfortable. But if I want to express myself in that same manner, not even to the same extent, but just being more assertive now, I'm like, oh, that's angry black woman or, oh, that's angry black man. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I recall this moment. Um, I was at work. Uh, everybody, you know, this seemed to be a good day. One of the uh, persons from admissions coming to uh, our side of the uh, um, building to ask some questions, legitimate questions, if you ask me. And once that admissions director uh, leaves and the door closes, mind you, it's a, a very, very, um, it's a window behind my supervisor that you can hear everything that's going on in the, in the room. So after the door closes, that uh, admissions person is walking, you know, right behind my supervisor. She speaks and says, I truly hate that bitch. Didn't censor it. Just said those words directly. That is a quote from 
my supervisor, white woman. And I'm just like, whoa, did she just, mind you, me and the uh, other black person in the room, Ari in our little group chat, talking to each other like, did you just say say that? Like, was this just me? Yet, whenever I have a discussion with someone about another student's education and um, their availability to like get scholarships and everything like that um, and apply for it, there I get an email saying, okay, um, Vernon, just to let you know, that did sound a little bit aggressive in uh, how you communicated with her. And I then have to get apologies from that same person because me and that other person, we had great chemistry. So it was just like, that was literally our first disagreement. But even with that, she decided to um, talk to me off to the side and was like, oh, I, I hope I didn't offend you and all this other stuff. I'm like, no, I wasn't offended. But us having this conversation makes me feel as though I should be offended. But we had a disagreement. Like, there was no need for that apology for one. But uh, I respect that. But it's the fact that I get an email saying that I was aggressive. Meanwhile, someone can literally um, say violent language towards another co-worker and nobody says anything. That's the shit. Oh, Lord. Yeah. And that, I think that's the part that, like, irritates me. I guess, like, tying that back into, like, dating. It's like, I, like, when when you're dating and people have these stereotypes of being, like, you're the angry one, you're the aggressive one, but mm-hmm. never asking why are you angry? Like you're going into these relationships and you're not even validating the experiencing that I'm feeling because you think that I'm being angry, but I'm just trying to express myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're under this idea that I'm going to be this sweet, nice, you know, special black person. And I don't fit that. And now, cause I get a little irritated or an attitude or whatever that looks like. Now it's like, Oh, you're just like everyone else. Mm. You know, that, like, this is specific towards the Black community, uh, and not to, uh, like, this is also relevant in terms of, like, dating, and I've seen so many times throughout, you know, social media, uh, and just in communications with, you know, other Black people, where we'll have that conversation that, you know, Black people are not a monolith, which I agree, we're not a monolith. However, when it does come to the dating spectrum and the dating world, now we try to make a monolith, now we make it so that everybody's supposed to be doing the same thing everybody's supposed to exist as a um, certain you know um structure our identity no we can still express ourselves in a variety of ways regardless of that like um when i see oh a black woman should you know um be behind her man submit to him and all this other stuff and he needs to be uh the head of the household working the jobs and all this other stuff and i'm like one I get that is what you want for yourself, but that cannot be the broader message for the entire community. Because one, if we look at the um, the real uh, realistic aspect of the community, the most educated and the most well paid people in this country, and um, outside of you know white uh, white men, are black women. They are making uh, within our community. They're making the most money. They're also uh, making uh, have the highest education, and you're setting the uh, a standard that most black men cannot even uh, reach up to because how we are separately oppressed in this country how we don't have access to higher education we're not encouraged to get higher education or do better than other people outside of just getting the job and that's not even factoring um, the police system and how that impacts us how now that you have a police record you cannot even pursue higher education unless you're coming out of pocket and if they do background checks, once you uh, you might not even be able to get a job in your field because what you have a police record, so that prevents you from getting you know higher paying jobs. And yeah, you can go the tech route, but the tech route is not the route for every person. So it's like we cannot be pushing messages like that. Yes, it, you can have that for yourself and look for that for yourself. But to say that all black men have to do this and all black women should do that, because for myself, if I were to uh, prefer a cisgendered um, black woman, I would rather her making more money than I do because I'd rather take care of the home, honestly. <laughs> right. It's not to be lasering things, not to say that I am not willing to work because I am, but I have a homemaker I uh, like mindset or if I am going to be out in the workforce, I would rather that she's out there too. Or if we start a family, we could figure it out there. Does she want to, um, you know, stop her career to, you know, be with the kids or does she want me to? Cause one of the reasons why I'd rather be a homemaker is cause I believe in home, uh, home, 
homeschooling versus using public school or a private school. Because one, I would never send my child to private school. Fuck that. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, that's the thing I want for my children. And if I'm in that space, I can educate my kids the way I want them to be educated and rear them the way that I see what's beneficial to them. Not to say that my wife, um, my partner won't be able to do that. That's just what I would like. If she would like to, you know, be at home, that's the expectation that she will want to be their educator. So it's like we have to have those kind of conversations as a community to recognize there's more than one way. Yeah, I know. I agree. And I feel like, you know, in my experience, I've gotten pigeonholed more within the community than from outside the community mm. like though as you were just saying the guy is the the producer and the girl is the one who stays at home like I've heard that more from black men than I've heard it from any other races outside even just like not too long ago T.D. Jakes the I believe he's a pastor had a comment about like well why would I want to be with a man a female who's independent like I need I need this person to need me and they need to make space for me. So I can't have them basically saying that the girl can't be making more than he's making and she needs to stay at home so he can feel special. Right. <laughs> and it's just like, um, it, going back off of what you just said, if I'm making the most money in my field and I'm the one who has the highest degree, whoa, I'm going to stop paying. I'm not going to stop my job and let you who's making 50 something take care of us both of us when both of us could just both have a job where I'm making 50 and you're making 50 and we actually are making 100 a family Mm -hmm. versus okay no I'm just gonna let you because you're the one who wants to feel like you're the producer and you're the person who feels like they have to be like the leader like that's not fair And I like how uh, you brought up the concept of being needed. I know like for myself, I don't want my partner to need me. I want my partner to want me because I want every day you wake up, you choose to be with me, not you, um, you need to be with me out of whatever survival that you're going through at that moment. I want you to choose me every single day that you know that Hey, I made the choice when we, uh, you know, when we started dating, uh, it was not anything out of necessity. You did not bring any true value to my life. But now that we are in this thing and we have this connection, we are growing that connection. And that's it. Like, I don't want to know that if if any moment I'm no longer there, my partner will end up having to spiral in their existence because they needed me so much. I agree. I've gone through enough counseling to know that that's codependency. Mm. And that's not healthy. Um, me not being able to sustain on my own and you being not being able to sustain on your own. And then we're like with each other. And if one of us like breaks up with the other, the other person is just going to crumble. That's codependency. I don't need that. Right. And, and I think what is kind of what is being pushed a lot, this narrative that's pushed a lot in the Black community is like, because our parents growing up were taught that like the guy is the provider, the guy is going to like, you may not have saw your dad every day, or you may not have seen him a lot because he's always working, but your mom basically was doing two different jobs. She'd do her own job and then come home and then take care of everything for you, like make sure that the kids were fed, making sure all these things on top of her own job, right? Mm-hmm. Um So that was just kind of like the, that was what was taught within our community. And so now that we are getting to a point where women are having the more money and women are having more degrees, it's becoming a conflict a lot of the times. It was like, I don't need a provider. I need you for emotional stability. Like we are going to be together and not emotional stability, but I need you because I like you and I like to be around you and you give me emotional comfort and you should need me for the same thing. So that's the need of anything. We're going into it for that, not for an ego boost. Like Mm -hmm. I don't, and you shouldn't, I shouldn't have to lower myself for your own ego. That's not fair for me because I don't need to do that. Amen to that. And this is going back to my uh, saying for the year is, again, I refuse to discount myself for any motherfucker that cannot afford me. Because that's essentially what whenever you go into those situations and somebody asks you to be less than who you are, that's what they're asking you to do. They're literally asking you to discount yourself. They're literally asking you to make yourself less than just so that they can feel great. And I'm sorry, if you cannot boost your own ego, if you cannot 
make yourself to a level where you don't need that boost, then you're not ready in this moment for somebody like me. And that is okay. There's plenty of people out here who might be on the level that you need in this moment. Find them, appreciate them, and y'all grow together. And and that's it. Right. And there has to be some self-work here, right? You can't be on one token being like, I only feel valuable if I'm the one who's bringing in the money, but then are upset that only gold diggers want you, right? So if you're the, if that's all you're bringing to the table, right? You're not bringing anything, like you're not bringing emotional comfort. You, you think only women want money, then you, and that's all you're going to bring to the table, then you're only going to get women who want money. Mm. And I think that's, this is um, going to, you know, kind of with the fetishization of Black people is that desire of wanting money, because that is one of the narratives is that, you know, Black women, they, uh, you can pay for them. Like you can, you can, as long as you have the cash for them, then they'll come your way. And that narrative is like perpetuated on social media all the time. And on television, when you think about uh, shows like Real Housewives and uh, of Atlanta and the other housewife shows and uh, Love and Hip Hop, all of them. To medicine. Well, some of them are doctors, but some of them are married to men who are doctors. Mm -hmm. It's like the only way that you can be successful is for you to marry into something like this, rather than having that mentality or that uh, understanding that you can make yourself successful regardless of this, regardless of, um, you know, marrying into the money, regardless of seeking out somebody who can pay your way into something like this. Um, like that, that, that paying for the partner is one of the things that I would say is intrinsic within the uh, American culture of that's the identity of this is how you succeed as a woman is to find that partner who has the money. It became a traditional value. Uh, but I also believe that the traditional value is just based in, in rooted in capitalism because that is we're in a capitalistic society in a transactional society. So now in order for you to be prosperous, the transaction that you're providing is your femininity for my money. And for that femininity, I mean, your, your body, your essence, your womanhood, your youth as a woman is what is on the table when you make these agreements. Right. I agree. I'm, I add the, the patriarchy is part of that, right? Like mm-hmm. it's like, um, and I think part of that is a sense of control, right? If I'm the breadwinner, I'm the one who's paying for all of these things. I can do whatever I want because you need me more than I need you for anything, right? So I'm going to get a girl who needs, who wants to be submissive, whatever that looks like, and who doesn't have any money, who doesn't need, you know, who just wants my money. So then I can cheat on her. I can do whatever I want to her. Uh, but she, at this point, she needs me. Mm. Ooh, child. This is this this is that pick me mentality. And uh, when I say pick me, I'm not just talking about the, the women because there's some pick me niggas out here. It's, it's that, you know, uh, when, whenever I see uh, comments of a person supposed to be uh, a man is supposed to be this, a woman supposed to be that. And you see those people like, that's right. That's right. That's me. That's me. And I'm just like, and you proud of that? That you feel as though the essence of your entire being is just being able to do this one thing, as though that you're not a complex human being. Right. There's this YouTuber, uh, Watch Jassy, who talked about, she's dating Cam Newton, I think, mm-hmm. talked about being submissive. And she's like, yeah, I'm submissive. So, okay, like, whatever, whatever submissive means. But he's, she's like, yeah, when he comes home, I unpack his bags. I pack his bags. Um, I cook him. He never has to worry. I cook for him. He never has to worry about anything. Before he goes to bed, I rub his his back until he falls asleep. Every single day, anytime he needs anything, I keep a list in my head of all of the different things that he needs for me. And I just, it's like an eight count. One, I'm going to do the laundry. Two, I'm going to clean the kitchen. Three, I'm going to do this, 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 all the things that he needs for me. And like the lady who was interviewing her was like, well, what does he do for you? Hmm. And she was like, well, I'm pretty simple. I don't really need anyone to do anything for me. And you will see like these whole list of pick me's like, I've been married for 20 years and that's what works for me. And then it was I'm like, yo, that's codependency. Like that's not, that's not healthy. It's not. It's like, are you truly satisfied? Like if you, if, if you believe in your mind that you are truly satisfied, that you are enjoying this, I'm not going to fight you on it. I'm going to let you continue to be great and happy. But if you, if you have to, um, 
admit when you admit that he does absolutely nothing for you that's a problem like okay yeah he's probably having a roof over your head and all that other great stuff if he's not doing anything for for you what are you doing for yourself are you even making time for yourself in in this relationship because i get that you're doing all these great things you know with the house cleaning things up all that for him, of course. But what is it that you're actually doing for yourself to make sure that you're sustained in this relationship because he's not providing anything for you other than the the house and food that you're taking? You can get house and food on your own. Right. Like if you have an out uh, eight count for him on all the things, like he does, he, he wakes up in the morning, you already know, does he have an eight count for you? Like what is he doing for you besides maybe taking you out on dates? Or the status of actually being in a relationship, which they throw at people like, oh, well, you know, that's why you're single, because you're too independent or whatever that looks like. Mm. And that's another thing, like uh, having having that status that you're married, that you're in a rela- you're in a relationship with somebody. And I'm like, is that all that I'm meant to be? Like, <laughs> what else is there to life if all you want me to do is just be in a relationship? Like, okay, I can I can be in an unhappy relationship like you are. <laughs> That's the shade I'm throwing to that one person. <laughs> or I can be out here enjoying life and build a relationship at the same time with the person that I want to build that relationship with that connects with me on multiple levels other than just we're here. We're in a relationship. We look cute. We got our IG posts ready. We got our... <laughs> Um, we got our family business idea out, how we want to be working together to grow ourselves, our image, our brand, and all this other stuff. Okay, that's cute. But what about the quality of your relationship? Are you two enjoying sets with each other? Are you two enjoying conversation with each other? Are you two enjoying moments that are not social media with each other? Those are the important questions. Those are the important things that uh, impact the fabric of your relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. Like your life should exist off, off of social media. It should exist outside of the realm of other people's gazes. It should exist within the comfort of your own home. And if it does not, that's a problem. I agree. Mm. On that note, I think it would be great (laughs) to transition into (laughs) the sex questions um, because that that's a oh this episode when it comes out I'm going to be listening to it multiple times because I I feel like we both said something that I'm going to need at that moment and I know other people going to need it too because look it's going to be a repeat episode for me. Um, (laughs) So the first question I have, uh, excluding the bedroom. What are some of your favorite settings to fool around in? A restaurant. Oh, you do a public <laughs> play, you nasty whore. I support. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't happen a lot. But um, <laughs> I like the kitchen because I like being able to sit like on the counters. Mm-hmm. I always clean it up. Like people, you could come over to my house. Like I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> Put that out there for the people. Because, you know, somebody somebody out here ain't cleaning up after their sex. So. Yeah, that's nasty. That's uh, nasty. Uh, yeah, I'd probably say those are probably the main two places for me. Mm, you know, I have not engaged in public play yet. Well, that kind of public play yet. And I, I've been thinking about it. Uh, I just need to uh, find the right toy that I would like to have out in public that's not going to be too drastic that I'm just like, oh my God, why did I do this to myself? I need to leave. But yeah, I need to get one of those. Uh, I will say for myself, um, I don't know, I do like floor sex, but any any room has a fucking floor. Uh, I cannot do bathroom sex at all uh, i've tried shower sex it wasn't for me um people glamorize shower sex but i think those are people who've never had sex because it's just too slippery like it's just too, much. too much um the water can dry you out like it's just i mean it's way too much like even if you have water-based lube that's not gonna work it's not like you would think water-based lube will be but, fine in water it doesn't it's it's not it's not fine. i do like shower foreplay but not foul. yeah not mm-hmm. shower sex um let's see uh, i cannot do it in the kitchen because that's that's a sacred space for me <laughs> I, I i cook i cook often I, I like the kitchen is like my zone whenever i'm throwing down so i just cannot um probably Mm, I can't do it on the kitchen floor either. Yeah, not the kitchen floor. No. Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, 
Now I will say I do like I do like some good couch sex. So living room, uh, I can do it as long as it's not my couch. Uh, because <laughs> <laughs> I, like for I, I I still have an issue with having sex with my own couch. My couch is fucking paid for. I can do whatever the fuck I want on, but I cannot have sex on it. Like I've been working up the courage to just be like, you know what? I'm ready to do this. But every time I'm like, ah, I can't do it. <laughs> Let's let's go to the bedroom Mm-mm. we can have sex on the floor just not on the couch Mm-mm. i haven't had couch sex in a while i just feel like if i'm gonna have sex on something i'd rather be like more comfortable like a bed like i mean what's the mm-hmm. point i mean to me right and you know this makes me think about the um the concept of a love seat and i thought I, you know that is for you know couples and you know that's the one that keeps you close but now i'm just like the older generation was some freaks um just that's that's a fact y'all if y'all did not know these old people they were nasty they was nasty listen to the music that they was listening to because it was a lot more vulgar than what we have because they said the words like Mm -hmm. they was nasty and i support all of them and their nastiness yeah i want to know why your grandmamas had 10 different 10 kids come on Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. grandma was a hoe just like granddaddy (laughs) That Rolling Song, that Rolling um, Rolling Stone, not Rolling, <laughs> whatever. It was Granddaddy and Grandma, both of them nasty asses. I support y'all, um, but <laughs> uh, I, I I would say the love seat was for fucking. So it's it's like the perfect size for fucking too. It's like and when you think about it, it is a nice size. I need to give me a love seat. I, I, need, I need, I need, yeah. That's I have a love seat, but I think I want to get a more comfortable one. Now that you, you put it out there, I'm like, maybe I should make it. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> Look, nobody sit on a love seat. That's uh, that's strictly for sex. If you sit <laughs> over there, you're telling me that's what you're trying to do. Is that, is that why you're here? <laughs> <laughs> if not, sit on the sectional because I, I will always have me a sectional. Um, next question. What is your favorite thing about sex other than climaxing? Um, my favorite thing about sex other than climaxing? Mm-hmm. I actually like the intimacy more. So I like the foreplay, the kissing and all of that. Like being for me, I'm like, I don't typically do one night stands. So typically if I'm having sex with someone I actually like care about. Mm-hmm. Um so I like just being in that space with that person. I could care less about, I mean, I do like to come, but I could care less about that <laughs> and just being in the moment, you know? I feel you there. Like, if it's a, a long-term uh, relationship, I really do appreciate the intimacy more than the actual sexual act. Um, like, we can cuddle together, and I love that even more than, like, physical interaction. Um, just having conversations with each other is one of the things I, I most appreciate with the partner. Uh, in general, like, with hookups and whatnot, I will say it's the buildup that I appreciate most and even the sex conversation like let me know what you're trying to do like even though we don't do all that shit I just want to know how nasty you can really be like tell me the details of what you're trying to do I'm kind of here for that too or like hearing the other person come like hearing them climax Mm -hmm. something about it like especially like guys like that like deep like guttural moan like ah <laughs> it, it takes you somewhere. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I love it. I like the like right when you start penetration and they're like they feel how like how wet you are or whatever. And that like that little moment where it's like, ooh, like oh, I don't know, something about that. <laughs> so another question. It's gonna be the last one. Uh, have you ever been surprised in the act by a friend? Uh, roommate or relative and i think that's a sexual act so have you ever been surprised while having sex by a friend roommate or relative what happened next well it's been pretty discreet um i will say for myself um i because usually i don't have sex whenever there's other people around um 
but I have received calls when, uh, whenever I'm having sex with somebody. And that's the thing that's very weird. Like I remember one time I was having sex and, uh, I got back to back calls. So I was like, Oh my gosh, something must be wrong. Stop the sex to, um, figure out what the hell was going on. Like, is somebody (laughs) like, did somebody die? Like what the fuck? Um, just to find out, oh, just checking in and see how you're doing. I'm like, I'm you back to back to me. <laughs> like, you could have sent a fucking text message. <laughs> so, yeah. And then um, that conversation kind of ruined it after that. And it's just like, you know what? Thank you for checking in. Uh, I appreciate you. I love you. And that's about it. And then just was like, you know, that took me out of the zone. I shouldn't answer that call. <laughs> I've had like moments where I guess I would. We were at my friend's house and he lived with his like family or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like there's been times where like he'd have to put like his hand over my mouth. Like I guess we like were being kind of loud. Um, but I didn't think like I don't know. I feel like they knew we were doing stuff, but I don't think it would have been that big of a deal. Mm. Oh, the 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 hand over mouth. Was that something that you found kinky and sexy? It was kind of hot, yeah. <laughs> I was, I really kind of made it even more exciting, but yeah. anyway. <laughs> I think the um, the most weird thing um, that I've experienced, uh, it didn't end the sex, but it what uh, caused a thought. And uh, I was, it was living room sex. And in the uh, apartments that I was in, there's like a upstairs area. And it's like, if you walk down the stairs, you see everything. So um heard a little rustling upstairs and the person I was having sex was like oh that might be my my child and I was like oh my god (laughs) we cannot be having sex and there's a child around no yeah I had a friend one time we were having sex and their their child was like knocking on the door he was like three so like I'm pretty sure he didn't hear anything but it was just like okay I guess we gotta stop now You're needed. It's time for me to go. Uh, like, go go out of another room. I don't want them to see me. I don't want them to recognize my face in three years. We're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Mm, Lord, the, the sexual stories. Jesus. All righty. <laughs> so, yeah. Sharita, uh, thank you so much for showing up and, you know, recording this episode with me. I definitely appreciate you so much. Uh, to my listeners, thank y'all so much for being a part of the Holoquy podcast. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast where we step out and speak on sexuality. I know that was backwards, but look, I'm doing the best I can today. Love y'all. <laughs> but just in case no one else told you uh, this today, you are beautiful. You are worthy of happiness and joy. You're enough and then some. You may not live up to the expectations of others, but that is okay. You are only required to walk in your own shoes. May each day you live lead you towards abundance. With that said, love you all and see you next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Holiloquy Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. You can subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcasting app and find us on the web at www.holiloquy.com. That's www.h-e-a-u-x-l-i-l-o-q-u-y.com. Share the podcast with your friends and join the conversation.